Hey, welcome back to the Football Diary podcast at the World Cup, where we're through with the group stages and we're deep into the second round. And England have been the highlight for us so far. 3-0 victors against the African champions, Senegal. in a really convincing attacking display as well. No conservatism from Gareth Southgate's boys. And a number of impressive players that have really stood out for us. We'll talk about that game first, as well as the other victors in this round as well, including France, their next opponents, and how they got on. But got to start with the England boys, really, haven't we, Miles? Uh, that's 12 goals now in four games. That's the highest scoring England tournament in history, I think, for the World Cup. It's been fantastic to watch, hasn't it? In this particular game, the shackles were off. They played really well on the front foot. And uh, yeah, it was a real relief to see them play like that. We were all hoping for it, weren't we? And, and look what happened. Yeah, definitely. The last time we recorded, you asked us who our team of the tournament had been so far. And even after the America game, I went with England. And I think a few people probably thought I was a bit mental. But I just think we've looked fantastic all tournament. And this was that coming to fruition again. Southgate played it incredibly well. The players really turned up. They've got a really clear game plan, clear system, contained for the first half an hour, then break the team down once they look a bit leggy. And it worked so, so well in this game. I was really happy with it. I thought pretty much every individual came off the pitch having covered themselves in glory once again. Another clean sheet, which is absolutely amazing for us. So there's no reason to be anything but positive with England right now. It's uh, like you said, the clean sheet is super important. But David could have been so much different. They did try and contain for that first sort of half an hour, didn't they? But Senegal just lacked a cutting edge. They had a couple of very, very good chances early on, didn't they? And had one of those gone in, had they had Sadio Mane there instead, England might have been playing a very different game, hadn't they? Yeah, I, I think they obviously they had a couple of really good chances. Jordan Pickford made that really good save from point blank range as well. Um, so. I mean, I, even if England had conceded, it would have been interesting really for me to see how they would respond in that sort of situation. Um, but for me, I just feel as though that they would have probably gone on to win the game anyway if they had fallen behind. It just seemed like Senegal really struggled with, you know, that our midfield, once it got into sort of we scored the first goal, they, we really just were kind of been able to run through quite freely. Um, Bellingham had another brilliant game. Um, it's just ridiculous to see how well he's performing at this age. I know we've, we've said it, you know, so many times, but just kind of the maturity that he shows. Um, and he, he really does have the game of a player who's kind of got a bit of some of a six, you know, as an, of an eight and a ten. Yeah. He can do it all. And, you know, that, that's, that can only be good for England fans. Um, let's just hope that he, he keeps performing that way. Yeah, obviously, the game against the US, he had a little bit of an off game, um, albeit everyone did pretty much. Um, but it's we've got to ride this wave, wave of positivity now. And I think the, the good thing is that a lot of people are kind of expecting England to be around about the quarterfinal, the semifinals, you know, even possibly getting to the finals. I think there's an expectancy there, which is, I think it kind of... You know, in a way, it can only be good for confidence, really, because the players should really be thinking, yeah, we are that good. Yeah. Um, we should be making it this far in tournaments. So, um, that, I mean, let's see how we do against, obviously, in this next game. It, there's not really going to be a bigger test than this. If we can overcome France, then we can beat anyone. Yeah, absolutely. France is, uh, they are the team to watch so far, aren't they? And there's a few similarities between the two starting 11s, especially from the formation to like Giroud and, and Kane, both chasing that, that goal record for their country. There's so many sort of different similarities, I would say. But 
back on England as well, you mentioned Jude Bellingham, what a great performance he put in. I think it was Harry Kane who got man of the match officially, didn't he? He was equally impressive. Miles, out of all the players that impressed, who do you think stood out for you the most? Who do you think deserved the man of the match? Because it's a tough one to pick that one, wasn't it? I would have gone with Kane as well. I thought he was outstanding. I thought his play was what you want from your captain and your talisman. He really stepped up to that mantle yesterday. He linked the play so, so well. His movement was incredible. And even for his goal, it's his first of the tournament. Yet, as soon as the ball landed at his feet, anyone would have put the house on him scoring. There was never a thought that he wasn't going to bury that. And having that in tournament football and someone that reliable is is such a gift for England. Dave's right. Bellingham was outstanding. And it feels like, despite England kind of being a bit deficient at times in centre midfield, like our squad, we talked about lacking that depth in centre midfield. And really, we had two really good options and then players that we were fitting in around it. Well, we've mm. also got the best centre midfielder we've had in generations almost it feels like this looks like the most complete midfielder England have had in a very long time for all of the young prospects that have come through for England over the last 10-15 years no one has ever lived up to their potential really we never saw the best of Jack Mm. Wilshere Jack Rodwell made that big move to to Man City and it never worked out for him whereas Bellingham looks like the complete player already and he's only 19 and that is such a, a wonderful thing for England to have and he doesn't seem phased by it at all the way that England created that second goal and the way that he won the ball that deep in his own half, moved up the pitch despite it being the last few seconds of the half itself and had the knowledge and the whereabouts to find Foden so well as well. I just thought he was outstanding. But most people were. You, there are very few people you could say came off that pitch without enhancing their reputation as an England player, which is a, a really good thing to have in knockout football. Yeah, I think Jude Bellingham's vision is the one thing that I've noticed more than anything. He seems to pick a pass so, so well and see everything around him. And I think if you ask Erling Haaland why he was such a success in Dortmund, it's probably mostly because of Jude Bellingham. He just found him so often. He was brilliant. I think even Bukayo Saka said in the post-match interview that he is just so, so good at this age. And Foden said the same. He's 19 years old, yet he's got the composure of somebody a good three, four years older than that, hasn't he? He's such a an exciting prospect. But then he's not really a prospect. He's the player for now. He's our star midfielder, I think. And that's why to see him come good on this stage so quickly is such a joy. But back on Saka, Dave and Foden, like I just mentioned, they were the the starting two sort of wide players for this game. Rashford will feel a little bit aggrieved that he didn't start. He played so well against Wales, didn't he? But these two produced. uh, And again, two very young players, I think 21 and 22, to go alongside the 19-year-old Bellingham. The future looks very good for England, if not for this tournament, then at least for the next one. Yeah, uh, Foden came out after the game, didn't he, and said he thought it was his best game for England so far. And I kind of echo then sentiments. I think he, especially in the last couple of games, he's looked a lot more of the player that we know he is. Um, I don't think he's produced it enough for England. And that could probably go for quite a few of those players in that team. And we're now kind of starting to see it come into fruition where everyone's collectively starting to put the performances in together. And we're not seeing, uh, you know, a certain number of individuals carrying us over the line. I mean, how many set pieces have we scored this tournament? Have we even scored one? Have they all been from open play? I think you might be right, Dave. Yeah. (laughs) We've not scored any penalties. penalties. Oh, there we go. Free kick. I mean, that was a little bit of individual brilliance, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
But yeah, I just I just feel as though we seem to be ticking over. We seem to be functioning as a unit. Um, that's the main thing for me. You mentioned Foden. He's actually looking a lot more at home. I'd like to, I prefer seeing him on the right because I just feel as though he looks a little bit more natural. Uh, it felt almost it took a little bit of a while for for him to get going in this game, and we saw it kind of obviously with the first goal. Um, and then Saka, I don't think he had the best game, but no. he, you know, when the when the chance came, he he's, he could take it as well. So, um, yeah, like you say, Rashford can feel a little bit aggrieved, but the the important thing is that England have these players to come in and yeah. make a difference when they're needed. Um, it sounds crazy, obviously Raheem Sterling's gone home, and whether he's coming back or not, I'm not sure, but. It's not probably not the worst position for us to lose a player in because of how well stacked we are in those areas. So I mean, it's, you can only ride the wave of, wave of positivity at the minute, I think, and uh, just see where it takes us. <laughs> it's funny because I actually think the first, well, two of the goal scorers were probably England's two players that I probably wouldn't start in the next game. I think Saka. <laughs> Saka, I thought, in the first half in particular, he really struggled to get into the game. And I think it's because, yeah. I think what would work for England is having one wide player that's creative and one that's a finisher. And actually, when you've got Foden and Saka, they're both too creative almost. And there are a few times where Foden was putting a ball into the box and Saka's just not gambling and getting into that back post mm. or coming a bit shorter to, to get the ball until his goal. That could have happened three times before he scored. It was like it, it took him that long to learn that the position that Foden was going to put the ball in. And actually, I wonder if Rashford, who's a bit more of a, a, an attacking forward and an inside yeah. forward rather than a winger, would have been better suited on that right-hand side. Or whether you play Saka and let him be the creative force and let Rashford come in from the left. Sterling or Rashford with Foden or Saka makes the most sense to me. And the same with Henderson. Henderson feels like a waste of a player for me when you get to a bigger team. So in this game, England were always going to control the game. And what Henderson did was he ran everywhere he needed to. He pressed very high. I don't think it was always very purposeful, I'll be totally honest. There were a lot of times where he just sprinted way out of position towards someone and the ball just got not passed in. And he arrived in the box for his goal and took it well. Great. But other than that, in a footballing sense and tactically, he doesn't bring anything to England's midfield. And when you come up against a really good opposition, you can't afford to have someone on the pitch just to be the coach. That's Southgate's mm -hmm. job. So take him out and bring someone into the system that's going to fulfil a role as well. I'd rather see Calvin Phillips against France, to be totally honest, because he's better at winning the ball back. He's better at passing yeah. his distribution. I think, I don't, I'm not saying I want him to start. I'd probably rather see Foden drop deeper into the midfield or Mount come back in. But I just don't think you can afford to play essentially with 10 players and a cheerleader against a big opposition. That sounds really harsh because he scored, but I didn't, I didn't think he played particularly well, to be totally honest. Bellingham did no. all the hard work for him. No, I think Bellingham's made a few of those around him look good in every game so far, apart from the US where we were all a little bit laboured, I think. But um, what does the midfield balance look like for you then, Miles? Because you've already touched on um, Henderson's contribution and what he brings to the team, which is leadership in yeah. whatever form that takes, you know. Uh, and there's not much experience in that England midfield to draw from, really. So that is needed in some kind of instances, yeah. isn't it? What balance would you look for against France then? Because that's a difficult one to come up against, isn't it? Does he go back to like a back three 
Does he no. bolster the midfield? Or does, or does he stick to this 4-3-3 and find the right blend of, of midfield three like he has been doing? Every game so far, it seems to have changed, doesn't it? Adapting to the opposition. I don't think he'll change the lineup for the France game. And I think... Wow, okay. I think that's why he stuck with four at the back in this game. If he changed to, to three at the back or five at the back in the next game, it would be a massive mistake because they've not played it this entire tournament. And you, I don't think you want to start trying things against France. I think you want to take your game to them. You almost have to go toe-to-toe toe, toe with a team like France who have shown defensive frailties at times. Poland got at them a few times. And their midfield isn't necessarily the strongest area of their team right now because they're missing some key players. So actually... To balance England's midfield, you want players that are going to stop France's midfield from playing their game by dictating yeah. it themselves. And I don't think Henderson necessarily does that. One player that I think has gone really under underrated in this tournament for us so far is Declan Rice. Because I feel like Bellingham has had the licence to move forward and be as creative and as athletic as he's been. Because Rice, just I think he's so efficient at what he does. He wins the ball back. He keeps control of the play. Mm. He, he's almost reminded me a bit of like Jorginho at the Euros for Italy in this tournament where he hasn't been the standout, everyone's eyes are on him kind of performer, but he's just dictated the pace every now and again and slowed things down when he's needed to, won the ball, moved forward when he's needed to. I really like Declan Rice for that. So I think if you stick with Rice and Bellingham, I would like to see Mount come back in, I'll be honest, because I think that would give France something else to worry about. Or drop Foden into the midfield in Mount's role and put Rashford on the left. So you've got yeah. wide forwards who have got a lot of pace that will get at France's fullbacks a little bit and test the defensive qualities of some of the players that France have got there. Jules Kunde is not a natural fullback, so you want to no. have someone on that left that's going to press him all game. So I'm not, I'm not sure. I just Henderson, I think, did what he needed to do in this game. I don't want to sound overly critical of him. Having that leader on the pitch, having that organiser, having that experience, you're right. I think it's valuable. I don't think you can afford to do that against a team that are better than you because you are essentially playing with 10 footballers and a manager and the balance will come yeah. from someone who plays good football, I think. Yeah, the France uh, conundrum will be a difficult one to for Southgate to kind of come up against. The first time we've played them in a knockout World Cup game, isn't it? So that's going to be interesting. First time we've faced them since 2017. So a lot of unknowns in fixtures between these two teams. But France swept Poland aside 3-1. They were really disappointing Poland. They had, they were the last game as well. And I don't think they deserve to really go through to the knockouts, no. to be fair. I think Mexico can feel pretty unlucky about that. Uh, but France was sensational once again. And Mbappe's finishes in particular... How he manages to find the goal from where he is, not just that the slight angle is at, but finding the velocity of shot on his kind of almost standing still, isn't he? He's not got much kind of motion behind him before he shoots. It's such a talent. And I think that France forward line is something that Gareth Southgate will have sleepless nights over because we're not the most fleet footed defence, are we? Even even I think Kyle Walker's been kind of touted as the person to stop Mbappe with his pace. He's lost a bit of that in the last couple of years and he's not 100% fit. So, Dave, what kind of. Um, impression are you getting from France now? Do you think they'll be thinking about England in the same way we're thinking about them? I think you'll be thinking about going to a back, a back five um, and possibly playing Carl Walker on the right of a back, a back five, you know, a back three, um, just to kind of obviously offer that recovery. If we do, obviously, whoever we play at right at full back will probably be uh, Trippier. Um, you would imagine. And if it is, you've obviously got Carl Walker in there who can offer that reassurance um, and recover the balls, which will kind of come in between, you know, in between those lines. You'd imagine he'll be able to mop up. 
and it's something he's done really you know done really well over the years and i agree with what you're saying i think for me in this game it looked like he nowhere near as quick as what he has been in the past yeah and you saw it when he came up against ismail assar it was a little bit of a you know it kind of took me by surprise really when they came up in a foot race and saw almost kind of was just about getting by him and that's you don't really you've never really seen that in the past with Carl Walker. It might just be he's a bit of rustiness, obviously. No, I, I, he's he's probably not. I mean he's not match fit, that's for sure. Right. He comes into this tournament obviously on the back of no football, like a lot of other players, the likes of Cowan Phillips. You, I know we've just mentioned it, but I don't think Jordan Henson would be in there if Calvin Phillips had enough football under his under his belt. Um so like you mentioned, I don't I just I hope we don't pay them too much respect because let's let's be real, they are a brilliant team. But I just hope we're not kind of looking to nullify them so much that we're hampering our own, you know, f- yeah. threat going forward as well. Because that would just be really disappointing. You can't really focus on one particular thing to contain with France either, because Griezmann's very dangerous. Dembele's in great form, and Giroud, he's for, for you know his feats in this World Cup and for the national team generally are underrated, but I think he's finally getting the uh, kind of credit he deserves. So what did you learn from this France team in the last couple of games, Miles? And um, like Poland weren't a massive test for them, no. but they're probably alongside England, the best team in the tournament so far, aren't they? Yeah, I think so. I think the only, the only saving grace that England will have is France's depth in this tournament is weaker than we've ever seen it, really. Because, I mean, you saw what happened against Tunisia when they had to rest players. Yeah. It just didn't work out for them. And they've got some options in the attacking areas, of course. But if there's an injury to Varane, all of a sudden, England have got something to exploit. And I I think France were excellent against Poland for the majority. They did defensively every now and again let themselves be a bit more vulnerable than they needed to be. And if a Poland were a better side, I think they would have capitalised on that. It's hard to stop someone like Mbappe. We know this. It, he's an incredible footballer. And in this game, he was so clinical. The two chances he took were just phenomenal finishes. And they were aided by incredible hold-up play from Giroud. And I said yeah. on here before, I think it might actually benefit France that Benzema's not in the tournament. Because it's, it sounds bizarre to say about the Ballon d'Or winner, but Mbappe looks so much more comfortable playing with Giroud and being the star and letting Giroud do the hard work and him take the credit <laughs> than competing for that with yeah. Benzema. So it's it's working really well for him. And Dembele's been excellent, as you mentioned. But I don't I don't think Poland are, are even comparable to England right now. I, mm. I think England have been the best team in the tournament so far. I think France are up there, but have shown weaknesses that England haven't, if I'm totally honest. I yeah. I think we'll win. I, the, I, I'll be honest, as soon as the draw came out and you saw that that's what the most likely path was, I think everyone would have had England out of the quarterfinals if they were to meet France. And the nearer we get to it, even since last night, I've changed my mind about it about four times. But as things stand, I, I think England will win this. I think they're as as dangerous as France. And if France aren't worried about us like we are about them, it's very arrogant and that might be their downfall. Yeah, I think the French press have sort of had a bit, a bit of a, a field day trying to sort of say how big a challenge this will be for France. And uh, they, I think they see England as the biggest challengers um, for the tournament, actually. Um I don't think that's just a European-centric view, to be fair. I think we should really be wary of Argentina growing into the tournament, which we'll talk about in a moment, uh, and Brazil as well, who yet still might, might get Neymar back for the next game. Um, but Dave, looking ahead to the other teams that are through, so Netherlands beat USA uh, and Argentina beat Australia. 
Lionel Messi's coming into it nicely as well into this tournament. He scored another great goal. The Netherlands are looking like good fun under Louis van Gaal as well. Which of those two teams do you think impressed you the most from the, the round of 16 game? Oh, there's certain players that have impressed me. I don't know whether I've been impressed them by them as a unit. I think I'm not convinced by the Argentina coach. I think there's been some questionable um, team selections from him. The lack of Lissandro Martinez in teams at time as well, who I think is, you know, for me, got to be one of the starting centre-backs. And he's shown it with that ridiculous block that he made um, in this game, the second half, that's, that's one of the best challenges I've seen for a while. Um, it's just whether it's going to come back to bite them soon. And they were lucky, actually, really, that Australia made these two. I, I just think it was a goal, arguably two goalkeeping errors. Um, and when they come up against a good enough opposition, which, you know, they're lucky to not have done so far, um, they could come undone. And They've they've really got to be wary, really, and it's Netherlands team. I think they've they really shouldn't be um, looking past them because they've got more than enough quality to to beat this Argentina team, who for me have been a bit underwhelming for me. Um, one player I've been impressed with is Enzo Fernandez. I think he's looked really good uh, when he's coming to the team. He's another player who's not started every single game, which has been strange as well because it seems when he's come into the game. He's just transformed their um, their attack, and they just seem to tie things together together a lot easier. Um, so, you know, it's going to be an interesting game because I think we're but we're all kind of anticipating whether what sort of team is going to turn up on you know mm. on, on both sides. Um, so, I, I'd like to see. For me, I'd, I would like to see Netherlands beat Argentina because I think on their day, Argentina, as we know, they can beat anyone. They've got the talent there to do it. Um, and being an England fan, I'd rather, I'd rather have a team go through that I think we'd be, we've got a better chance of uh, overcoming. I yeah, think I we've think got a better chance of overcoming Argentina than Netherlands. Do you reckon? I was going to say Netherlands-Argentina feels like a game that used to be massive when I was a kid. And they mm. have both been out of the limelight a bit, haven't they, for the last generation pretty much. But Netherlands have actually come back pretty strongly. I feel like LVG yeah. is really enjoying his time as coach of the national team again. Um, but for Argentina, as if a lot of people kind of rooting for them for the obvious reason of, of, of Messi lifting the trophy. I'm not as romantic as that. I just want to see the best team win on the day. And if that's not Argentina, then so be it. <laughs> But I'm excited for the game ahead. I think those two teams look like a really entertaining match on, on paper, Miles, don't you? I do think it will be a good game because I think it's the biggest test that either of them have had so far. So we will yeah. see what they're made out of. The biggest difference for me with Argentina, you're going to say I'm biased, but comparing Argentina to previous tournaments is they've got a world-class goalkeeper now. And if it wasn't for yeah. him, then they would have at least gone to extra time against Australia. His last second save, essentially could have kept them in the tournament. And if we're talking about Argentina just hanging into the tournament against Australia in the round of 16, why are we talking about them like their favourites? I'm not worried about Argentina at all, to be honest. Messi, of course, has a moment of brilliance in him, but that's what it is now. It's moments here and there rather than a consistent mm. performance. I don't actually think he was that amazing in this game. He took his goal very well, and there were a couple of times where he popped up, but... I'm not saying it's a bad performance at all, and you'd be really happy with it if it was anyone in the England side. But mm. I think it's really easy to get carried away with him and Argentina. I don't actually think they've been that impressive. 
And the Netherlands rode their luck against the US for a little period in that game. The main difference was they're just far more clinical. And I think that yeah. that that's going to be the thing that carries them through. They've got some really good forward players. Dumfries was excellent in this game as well. So it'd be interesting to see how he kind of comes up against whoever Argentina stick out wide in this game, whether that be Messi floating out onto the left or whether they bring Di Maria back in. It'll be interesting to see how they, they line up Argentina. But Holland are playing for Louis van Gaal. They've said yeah, very they openly. Are. They're fighting for him just as he's fought over the last couple of years. And that's a really inspirational thing. I, I think Holland will knock Argentina out, to be honest. I don't think we're getting this romantic Brazil-Argentina semi-final or Argentina-Portugal final. I can't see that happening in a million years, to be honest. Yeah, it's um, it's Netherlands' chance really to seize, isn't it, this game against Argentina. And um, like you say, I think the, the coach hasn't set the Argentina team as well up as you'd imagine. I think Netherlands just look a better balanced, better set-up team. They've got some very good players. They've, he's made some very average players a lot better in goals I think as well Netherlands are not looking great but they look better than they should be so yeah interesting intriguing prospect I think you can look at all these round of 16 games and look at the opposition that each of the winners has played and you get a real good gauge of how good that team actually is and that's where I think England really come up trumps because Senegal were a very difficult team and we've all said before the game it's the one of the most evenly matched ties of the round and yet England just swept them aside like it was a, a, a friendly so I'm not, I'm not used to that I think in our generation England don't have it that comfortable in knockout rounds so I'm excited for once I'm actually excited to go into a, a quarter-final tie and feel like we can actually put France to the sword I don't know about you guys I think saying that it was evenly matched was really naive of us to be honest I think reflecting on in it hindsight. I think we really un- underrate our own side I think I think yeah we have to start talking about England like they are one of the favourites for the tournament. Obviously, they've got the biggest obstacle in front of them now. Of any yeah. team, the France-England game will be the hardest game for both France and England at this tournament, really. I honestly believe that. Until the final, which will probably be Brazil. But I, I, I really am impressed by what we, we've done under Gareth Southgate. Under the last, in the last two tournaments, we've been excellent. In this one, we've taken it by storm, I think. And people that say they want Southgate to play a bit more attacking football look how many goals England have got and how organised they still managed to be at the back like I, I think it's been fantastic yeah. so far and I think come the when the quarterfinals are around everyone should be watching England France over any other game because that'll be the most interesting yeah by far I think and the final game that we've seen so far of this round is Croatia beating Japan on penalties yeah. it was a laboured performance from Croatia wasn't it Dave I mean you've mentioned their age and their lack of legs a few times but they scraped through extra time but I think as soon as they got to penalties they're so kind of experienced and streetwise it's a foregone conclusion wasn't it yeah I just think Japan probably in that first half maybe expended a bit too much energy. It seemed like the game just got to a point where Croatia obviously scored the equaliser and then you kind of expected somebody to, you know, there to be a reaction and there wasn't really. There was like a lack of chances, um, you know, in the rest of the game, including extra time, to be honest. There was a couple of half moments um, but he really kind of expected a reaction from Japan from what we've seen from them in the tournament so far, you know, some of the changes that the coach has made. Um, he brought Kamada off as well, who's been one of the best players, um, which was a bit of a strange decision. But, yeah, our, our Croatia obviously just got this this tournament experience now. It's 
we're almost getting a bit sick of it, especially as England fans, um, <laughs> with the heartbreak that they've obviously dealt to us. Um, but you, you've got to give them credit. You've got to give them a lot of credit, really. That obviously Modric is still looking. I don't know how how he's still doing it, to be honest. But he looks. You wouldn't say he's the age he is. The way he still plays and sort of the engine that he has, it's ridiculous. I, but I can only great see three. He looked a bit spent. To be honest. Like, they took him. They took him off, didn't they? And for a game that yeah. looks likely to go to penalties, to take off Modric and Kovacic, I think said everything. Both sides, Japan as well. Mm. Japan have gone through so much in the group stage, beating Spain and Germany that both sides just look absolutely shattered. To be honest, yeah, that's the, the thing. Is though, I don't want to say it again. I don't want to say they look knackered because we said this last time when Croatia played extra time. How many extra times before they faced England and they Twice. still beat England? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't want to say it older. again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it can, you know, it can't be helping, really, especially in that heat as well. Let's not forget how hot it is. So, um, yeah. it, it can, it's definitely going to take a toll. Who is it they face next? It's Brazil, we were mentioning, was it? if Brazil go through yeah. against South Korea, which yeah. you would expect them It'll to. Be Brazil, they won't. Um, <laughs> Well, I don't know. Some big teams have fallen by the wayside now. There's no Germany now, of course, no Belgium. So it feels like the stage is set for a, at least another shock in this round. So for me, I'm looking at Morocco, Morocco, yeah. Spain and thinking that's where I'm going to see it. Um, yeah, and Portugal, Switzerland, I think is anyone's game as well. So, you know, it's still a lot of action still to happen in this round. Which game are you looking forward to, Miles? Need I, need I ask? I am really looking forward to seeing Morocco again. I think Morocco will beat Spain. And yeah, Portugal, Switzerland, I'm not looking forward to it at all. I think it'd be really boring and Portugal will win it quite comfortably, to be honest. Okay. Dave, how about you? <laughs> yeah. I, it's it's hard, isn't it? Because we've not actually seen an upset in this round yet. Um, and we've seen so many in the group stages. So, that, oh, come on, there's got to be one. Well, I think we're begging for it, aren't we? Croatia, Japan is the first time a team that didn't finish top of their group went through, right? So technically that was an upset. <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose you can say that. But uh, yeah, I think we're, we, you know, we deserve it, I feel, as, you know, as fans watching. Yeah. Um, we've had a couple, obviously, in the group stages. But yeah, we need one, I feel, one upset in the knockouts just to not make it entirely predictable. Yeah. I can say that now England have gone through. I can yeah. say that now England have gone through and we didn't get knocked out by Senegal. So, <laughs> Yeah, this round has definitely seen the favourites uh, come to the fore, hasn't it? But I think it's nice to see the tournament actually come into life a little bit now. You see in crowds filling up a little bit. There is a bit better atmosphere in a few of the games. It's still not amazing, don't get me wrong, because there's not as much kind of vested interest from the fans now that the hosts have been knocked out. And you always feel that energy lost a little bit when that happens. But if you can't be excited by the games that are ahead now, then there's no hope for you as a footballing nation, is there? So I do think we'll see a lot more energy from the rest of the games ahead, definitely. But uh, until the next pod, guys, that's it for now. Um, it's been great talking about the football that we've seen. Um, we'll talk about that maybe and more in, in the next pod. But until then, thank you, guys. Enjoy the football. Speak to you soon.